knowing the headlines isn't always enough. Sometimes you need to talk about it. For stimulating conversation on the day's hot topics, this is your station. This is your show, The Ryan Jesperson Show, on 630 Chen, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. 11.06 right now, exactly, on this Friday morning. Uh, several of you have, have texted into the show to 6.30, 6.30, saying, hey, what, whatever happened to that conversation about the, the Edmonton woman with the DUI that's having problems with her smart start ignition device. Remember, we promised you that right around 10 o'clock. There was a bit of a crossed wire situation, which is beautifully ironic if you consider the context of the conversation we were to have. Uh, But we'll call her Heather. We're not going to use her real name. Heather uh, called in a little late today. So We've moved the interview to Monday to do it justice. It's not the type of conversation I wanted to have in three or four minutes. So you can expect that coming up on Monday's show, this DUI-related device that Albertans are essentially forced to use as part of the fallout from either a guilty plea or a conviction of driving under the influence. But if we're expecting people to incur big costs here, hey, paying back their due to society, the technology's got to work, right? We'll cover that Smart Start Canada story on Monday morning's show, and thank you all for your interest. It's my pleasure to introduce today's panelists, a Friday morning roundtable of movers and shakers that are going to cover a whole lot of ground. Tina Faze is co-owner and communication strategist at Big Pixel Creative, where she helps clients use communications for social good. She's a freelance journalist. She's written about food, politics, art, and business in the Edmonton Journal, the Calgary Herald, the Ottawa Citizen, the National Post, Western Living Avenue, and she's even appeared on... CBC Radio. Oh, no. <laughs> Tina Faze is also the co-founder of the Yegg Feminist Club, a co-founding board member of Anthology in support of Edmonton Public Library. Tina, it's great to have you here. Thank you for having Been me Been looking here. forward to this for a long time. Trent Wilkie is a journalist and performer who loves the woods. His hobbies include blogging about being a stay-at-home dad at thetrentwilkie.com. He also writes fringe shows and... Uh, Trent, you list among your hobbies adjusting to society. Yeah, I have uh, sometimes I'm not good on buses and I'm not good around large groups of people. I like to draw attention to myself, uh, sometimes awkwardly, but I'm really good at it. But I guess that's not cool, according to my wife. Hey, not cool is the new cool. That's what I said. Thrilled to have you here. I'm wrong. (laughs) Rounding out our trio today, Donal O'Byrne has a background in conservative politics uh, as a PC Association of Alberta campaign manager. He's also an ally and advocate for LGBTQ issues. Donal shares his time between an IT career, two theater companies, and and an adorable seven-year-old girl. Donal, welcome. Good morning. I knew I had to bring my A-game with socks and shoes today if you were going to be in the studio. You're, you're being very You're known. <laughs> You've cultivated a look in town. I have one in my Instagram feed is really nothing, literally nothing but socks, shoes, and an occasional theater uh, <laughs> push. <laughs> I'm happy to have you all here. We're going to get to some topics that I wanted to cover on the air this week. None of them really related, but I just want gut instinct responses. I want kind of your initial take, just as Edmontonians, as Albertans, as Canadians. Everybody knows who Vince Lee is. Vince Lee uh, killed Tim McLean, an innocent passenger on a Greyhound bus in the province of Manitoba several years ago. Now, there are many nuances to this story, but essentially, Vince Lee was found not criminally responsible for Mr. McLean's death due to psychiatric issues. 
Well, those that have been managing his care now say that Vince Lee is a model citizen. He wants more rights. He wants his freedom back, and he wants to go by a different name. Tina, should Vince Lee be allowed to change his name? Well, I believe he actually has. I believe he's now going by Will Baker. And he is. So, so really, to me, this comes down to having this balance between one's right to rehabilitate and have a second chance and society's right to know about someone's past criminal behavior. And so I feel like our criminal justice system is really set up to give people second chances. I mean, that's really the foundational notion of it. And so if you believe in that, which I do, then I think it's okay for someone like him to be able to change his name and um, be able to get a little bit of distance. It's not mm-hmm. to ignore or forget what he's done. And obviously, I can't um, even relate to the mom of the victim in this case. It was a horrific um, situation. But I feel like if the courts have found him criminally not responsible for him to change his name, that's part of his treatment to reintegrate into society. And so to me, that actually works. And I feel like in, and I've actually read, and I don't know if this is true, I'm not a lawyer, so maybe one of you guys or someone who's listening can weigh in, but as far as I understand it, some provinces in Alberta and Manitoba being two of them, um, you're, fing- you're fingerprinted and that follows you. So even though you've changed your name, if there are situations where criminal checks are required, he doesn't fully erase that past, and yeah, nor should he. Exactly. He's not erasing exactly. his past. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. in this case, I feel like um, and, and the system is doing what it set up to do. I agree. And he's not Carla Homolka. Like, this isn't something where he got on that bus that morning and said, well, I'm going to do this. You know, this was a mental health issue. Well, he had a he had a massive knife with well, but Trent. he wasn't. But he wasn't. He wasn't him. He wasn't that guy that he is today. He wasn't medicated. He wasn't dealing with his mental health issues. And and what happened on that bus was a tragedy. It was a tragedy. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't something where someone wrote it down and it wasn't like conceived with a with a sane mind. And I don't like to use the word sane, but it's something that people can relate to. And he he just wasn't he wasn't medicated. It's a mental health issue, and it was a tragedy. So I think he can. And like you said, this isn't something where he's just going to disappear and pop up somewhere and do it again. In fact, he'll probably never do it again. Well, if he stays, he'll probably never do it again if he's on his medication. You know, and that's like that's that's like saying being able to tell the future. That's like saying don't drive drunk. That's like saying so many things to everybody. Um, he he did. Probably one of the most horrific things that I know of in my lifetime that I was privy to watching it unfold. But it wasn't, it was a, it was a tragedy in the purest form of the word. There wasn't, the devil wasn't involved in this. There wasn't some sort of um, evil hatching plot scheme where the, you know, the, the cabal of the underworld decided to ruin someone's day. It was just terrifying and terrible. And he was sick. And hopefully, those people that I, I, I have trust in the mental health uh, capacity of those people around him that would understand what he's going through and what he went through, I think they'd be able to, to help him out. And if they're asking for him on his behalf, you got to have faith in that. Donal, what do you think? That That's mental health we deal with it so badly in Canada as it is yeah. we struggle to deal with any kind of form of, of mental disease we, that's why we, I didn't want to use the word sane right it's exa- such a loaded word exactly it's uh, uh, we, we, we don't cope well with addiction we don't cope well with poverty we don't cope well with anything that drives people into a situation where their mental health becomes a criminal matter for them mm-hmm. if we're if the just if the justice system wants to block and say we can't or say we say that we you can't run away from that he will never get out of that hole. He'll be back in for doing 
petty crimes to feed himself to um, uh, because he has literally no other options. We have to give everyone who has been successfully by the system mm-hmm. rehabilitated a chance to get on with their life. Mm-hmm. You know, Tina was right. This is going to follow him the rest of his life. And even if he's better, this guy is going to be living, I would presume, yeah. in hell, yeah. right? He's going to have to own that for the rest of his life. He's never going to get a chance to walk away from this. Mm-hmm. Well, so. and I feel like the web makes it so much harder to get away exactly. from something like this. Mm-hmm. The fact that we're talking about the fact that there's new stories linking the new name to the old one. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not, it's going to be so hard to even just get a job, get an apartment maybe get a loan. I mean, this is going to constantly come after him when the system is set up to be able to give people second chances. The Mm -hmm. system doesn't want repeat offenders. It's not good for society. It's expensive. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't help us become a better citizenry. So, Am I the only one, though, that's sitting here thinking it's only been eight years since he stabbed an innocent man to death and beheaded him on a Greyhound bus and then started dismembering his body? Put, Put it this way. It was his brain that was malfunctioning. If you break your arm or you tear your Achilles heel or whatever, you, you, you pull a muscle, you take drugs to help it, it has to rehabilitate, and it doesn't take eight years to rehabilitate a muscle. The brain is a part of the body. He took drugs to rehabilitate his brain. My brother was in a car accident a while ago, and he said, and he had some head trauma. And he said, I wish I could wear a bandage around my head all day so that people know that I'm still healing up here. If you wear a cast on your arm, people are like very tender around your arm. You know, no high fives, none, not even a low five. But when it comes to your head, people can't see inside your head and they can't see the healing. And this is a perfect example of that. Do I know he's healed? I don't know. I, I'm unlucky to be wearing pants today. Let me uh, update you. Uh, as of this morning, uh, Vince Lee, who is now going by the name of Will Baker, has pointed out uh, it's been ruled that he could move to an independent living facility in the community once his treatment team completes an assessment report as well as a community living plan and recommends he's ready to do, ready to do so. This is a decision released today by the Manitoba Criminal Code Review Board. Uh, Vince Lee, or Will Baker, will continue to live... Uh, Uh, where he is at a halfway house in Winnipeg right now under conditions that include abiding by house rules, taking his medication, attending appointments, keeping contact with mental health professionals, and going to counseling. That's as of this morning. On the text line, a listener here says uh, when he stops the meds, what will he probably do? I mean, he killed someone. Chances are he'll kill someone else. I mean, Hank says Vince Lee, Jasmine Richardson. When they change their names, their identities, it's as if the victims never existed. The rights of everybody else are put at risk by decisions like these. Well, I don't don't... think anyone's (laughs) rights are being put at risk. What about Vince Lee's mom? I mean, we asked her if she wanted to talk to us. She said, no, you know what, quite frankly, and these are my words, not hers, every time that my son's name is brought up in the news, and the same goes for the families of the RCMP officers killed in Mayerthorpe, they don't want to talk about it every single time the story surfaces. Mm -hmm. But what about Vince Lee's mom? What about his friends? What about his, pardon me, Tim McLean's, pardon me. What about Tim McLean, Mm -hmm. who's no longer with us, who witnesses told us all he ever said on the bus, the only interaction between Mr. McLean and Vince Lee was Mr. McLean asking, how are you doing? 
I mean, I feel like we need to be a little bit dispassionate when it comes to the law. I think it was Aristotle, right, who famously said that law is um, reason separated from passion. Mm -hmm. And so regardless of the horrific nature of the crime or the violent nature of the crime, if we're going to then start, we're going to need to then find a place to draw the line of where certain types of crimes, I mean, you are never going to be able to rehabilitate and reintegrate into society. And so you'll forever be punished. I mean, it's so it's a slippery slope for me. I mean, if we're going to accept that our justice system is set up to give people Mm-hmm. a second chance once they've paid their dues to society that they have a chance to reintegrate and build a new life for themselves then we need to be able to we need to be okay with them wanting to at least gain a little bit of distance mm-hmm. from that criminal past there, in order reason, to continue there's a reason that parents are never allowed to be involved in the justice system right if you know we have you know we have kids there's there's no way if someone went after our kids that we would ever want to i wouldn't be able to think about a lot yeah there would you know there wouldn't be there wouldn't be a jail sentence we'd be scraping them mm-hmm. off the front of our cars right yeah this it's is, too emotional right it, you can't too be emotional. And, reasoned about sort and we of, have yeah. to we have to split back we have to disconnect the pat the the, the complete distaste we have for what happened yes with and what it is. is necessary to make him a part of our society because we don't we don't kill our criminals, and there's a reason for it. And I agree. And with that said, what is worse, the guy who got behind the wheel of a car drunk driving and killed the two kids and their grandparent, or a man who went off medications and murdered a guy in the bus? Well, I don't want to compare the stories. I, but, but they're both tragedies. They're both tragedies, and that is the, the crux of both of them right there. That is it. That's all they are. They're tragedies. They're the most horrific thing that you could possibly happen to anybody. And when you put all these with the big the beheading and the, that's the that's the mental health part of it. That's that's the sickness. And maybe the person that drinks and drives they have a sickness too, and they do have a sickness. It's called uh, alcoholism. Alcoholism. It's called an addiction. And both of these things are part of the same family. I'm not saying they're the exact same thing, but does that person who killed someone drunk driving do they deserve the same hate? vile, you know, spitting meanness that that Vince Lee is getting? I don't know. That's not for me to decide. But I do believe that they are in the same family, those two things. Kevin signs off as angry in Alberta on the text line 63630. says not only should Vince Lee not be allowed to change his name, he should not be allowed to walk around outside of a maximum security prison. After beheading a fellow human being, the only decision he should be able to make is his preferred method of death. How does he differ from a radical extremist overseas who commits the exact same crime? Welcome to Canada, a country where violent, psychotic murderers walk free and responsible adults who get caught with a couple of grams of pot in their pocket get convicted. What a damn embarrassment. That from Kevin. Well, Kevin's got his, uh, you don't get arrested for a couple of grams of pot. Oh, sure you do, Trent. I, oh, no, I, I certainly hope that Kevin has a PhD in psychology <laughs> I know. needs to be able to make that call, right? This is, I'm not an expert in psychology, mm-hmm. right? I'm not an expert in, me- I, in, you know, I'm not really an expert in mental health. But what I do know is that there are people out there who do this for a living and who know what they're talking about. We trust the justice system to do the right thing. And we have to trust our mental health system. And frankly, we should be spending a lot more money on mental health to deal with all the deal with this stuff, not when after someone's been beheaded, but when they start having issues in the first place. And we should there should be far much far more money spent on this. And the word that keeps popping up is beheaded. And you break it down what happened on that bus, you break it down when a car hits a person. And you could describe that in the most visceral visceral sense. And that those are the words that people would be using. It's that it's the key phrases. It's the pitch lines. It's the elevator moments that these that p- people are focusing on. It's what's 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 written. What's 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 talked about, and it's the story that's told about these things that people are jumping on. They're just a tra- not just. They're a tragedy. They're the worst possible thing that could happen to anybody. And to jump uh, to, to make it more emotive and more 
sexy. I hate to say that. Sexy is the right word. That's what's going on, and that's what, what this is about. I agree. The nature of the crime in this case is not really the point. It's mm-hmm. the, really, the point is, are we going to be able to give people a second chance or not? I mean, in Agreed. this case, he's obviously been taking his meds since 2008. Mm-hmm. He hasn't had a recurrence of it. He's monitored when he's taking the medication, mm-hmm. which is important to make sure that he's actually following through. So even when he goes and lives independently, mm-hmm. he will have to be monitored. I mean, he's going to church weekly and Bible study, and so by all accounts... The psychiatric team that is overseeing him um, feels like he's someone who is not going to hurt society. And you can't fake not being on meds. Like, you can't fake, especially the meds that he's on. You can't right. fake that. That's not something you're going to do. But, I mean, who, I mean Mask Painter right now on the text line says, so so what? Like, are, are these people are, are these people going to be monitoring? Are, are people going to be able to guarantee that this guy's not going to go off his meds again? It's a legitimate question. It is a legitimate question. But how do you guarantee the future? How, do you, how can you tell the future? As I understand it, when you're convicted under one of these, you know, under a mental health issue, you're under a long-term supervision order afterwards. Now, I don't know the exact details of what Vince Lee is under, but you are supervised pretty much for life by the mental health system. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and and the justice system. So it's not like, you know, he has to report in and that, you know, the cops are going to be on this guy every single second. He's he's not going to get a break. We let people... Ryan's, sorry, Ryan's giving me that. No, 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 no. No, <laughs> no finish yeah, your the, thought. The, 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 uh, um, the police check this stuff all the time. You know, if you're out on parole, you're out on bail, you're getting the 9 p.m. knock to make sure you're following your conditions. You can bet that he's going to be getting these checks Mm -hmm. every, you know, very frequently. Grant says you do the crime, you should do the time. Robbie and Quentin and several others have uh, submitted the exact same sentiment. That is, let's not forget the witnesses to this crime, Mm -hmm. the RCMP officers that took their own lives as a result of post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, there's two of them, by the way. Another tragic spinoff mm-hmm. of this. Yep. Uh, Robbie says two innocent lives, uh, in, or perhaps three, is worth far more than eight years in my eyes. We'll fit in a quick break. When we yeah. come back with uh, Trent Wilkie, uh, Donal Orburn, and Tina Faze, we'll stick on this through to the bottom of the clock. Should Vince Lee be receiving the, can we call it good faith, that he is. Let us know what you think. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Ryan Jesperson Show on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. We're talking about Vince Lee, or as he'd be, uh, as he is introducing himself to people, his official name change, his preferred moniker, Will Baker. Our roundtable today, Tina Faze, Donal O'Byrne, and Trent Wilkie on the text line to 630-630. Listener says, I don't care how sick or how marginalized you are. If you murder someone, it should equal 40 years Period. Meantime, Robert P. listening in says the act was a crime, but given his mental health issue, he was not a criminal. As long as he's monitored for the rest of his life, which I assume he will be, he should not pose any greater threat to society than anybody else. Interesting take. Now, several listeners have wanted me to ask you, our panelists, would you move your children next door to Will Baker, to Vince Lee? Um, I used to work with uh, something called the Speaking of Schizophrenia Players. It was a therapeutic drama group for people with schizophrenia. And I worked with a gentleman there, and I won't mention any names. But he he murdered a family member uh, while in an episode he wasn't on his meds. Um, And uh, now he's... I wouldn't have never have known that if he didn't tell me that. I worked with him for a while with a friend uh, by the name of Sam Bartniak who ran the drama group. Uh, and I didn't know that. I wouldn't have known that unless he told me that. Now, would I move 
into a place next door to Will, I would want to know it. I would want to know it. Um, I would let my wife make a decision. I personally, if I were on my own, I wouldn't have a problem with it. Well, this is why I asked. This is why mm-hmm. we kicked off the entire conversation, yep. Tina. With should he be allowed to change his name? Well, to me, it seems like that's not really the issue. People feel a sense of injustice that he's not paying the mm-hmm. doing the time for that he was um, that it was ruled that he's criminally not responsible. So let's not confuse the two. The sense of injustice from not having to do the time is different than someone who has done a crime, paid yeah. their dues, and is now able to. And ought to be able to change their name. So to me, those are two separate things, and it's easy to confuse the two. Mm -hmm. I personally would be okay living next to him. I don't have children. If I did, I would be okay with that. Because like you had said, Donald, I mean, we need to trust the system, Mm -hmm. that this works, and that he's under strict supervision, regardless of the crime. Do you really and seriously trust our legal system? Do you trust the justice system, Donald? Would you move your daughters next door? It's it's a hard... I think if he moved in beside me, and I didn't know, I I would want to know first, because as with all things, informed consent is one of the most important principles that we have to teach our kids and live our life with. I trust the mental health system, especially with this guy, that it would work. So if he moved in next door, I probably wouldn't freak out right away. And, and this but is... I would... Uh, I'd be ready to move in a second if he suddenly, you know, if some things went sideways. I agree. The information, having that information, is important. Just like someone who's um, been committed of a, who's been convicted of a sexual crime, is then when they reintegrate, are forced to tell their neighbors sort of what mm-hmm. was their background. I think for these kinds of violent crimes, that makes sense. For a sexual predator, I wouldn't move. For a se- yeah, exactly, would, for a I sexual predator, because no the way. amount of uh, re- they would do it again. The, the higher. But listen, but listen, what yeah. you're saying, Trent. Yeah. Like you're saying that you believe that he can be rehabilitated. Yeah. Or that he'll be just fine if he's on his meds, but you are at the same time are saying that a sexual predator cannot be. If they're medicated, I would. You don't understand the power of medication. You could take a drug, any drug, and be a completely different person in a matter of two minutes. A listener on the text line right now says, I'm supposed to take my asthma meds for my own personal well-being every single day. I'll leave it up to you to guess if I actually do. Asthma and a psychotic reaction are two very different things. But he also gets monitored in that there's a nurse or yeah. a practitioner that comes in and watches him takes the meds. It's different. More with Tina Fey's Donal O'Byrne and Trent Wilkie after this. This is the Ryan Jesperson Show on 630 Chat. Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. I'll be honest with you about something. We, when we brought in Tina Fey's and Donal O'Byrne and Trent Wilkie for this Friday roundtable, we said we're going to talk about Vince Lee, a.k.a. Will Baker. We'll talk about sales tax. We want to talk about perhaps free tuition for low-income students. And then we'll get to some other things. But we also tell you, our friends that tune in every single day, that this is your show. And 450 text messages in 20 minutes indicates to me that you don't want us to move on from this current conversation. So we're going to stick with it. On the text line, uh, this is Hank, who says, I swiped a fire extinguisher from a bar in 1974 when I was 16 years old. I got caught and I still have a record. So Vince Lee is now, for all intents and purposes, invisible, and I am not. Is there not a disconnect that your guests don't get? Why don't you ask them to offer him a room if they're so confident that he'll stay on his meds? He's not invisible. He just changed his name. His fingerprints are in the system. He's going to be monitored for the rest of his existing life. There's not, this isn't like, they're not just turning him into a smoke monster and letting him live in the ocean. And he's he's going to, the police know who this guy is going to be. And the police everywhere in any jurisdiction he goes to are going to be And if he swipes notice. a fire extinguisher, he's probably going to go back to jail. 
or probably go to jail. Like right. this, this is just yeah. it's a different two it's it's peas and carrots. Two On the text things. line, Daryl says, "Does Tim McLean get a second chance?" He says, "No. Neither do the dramatic issues that those RCMP members who took their lives uh, because of the murder they witnessed." Another says, "I can't predict the future, and that's right." goes on to say, I never thought I'd see the day when someone's opinion would just be dead wrong, but your guests are dead wrong. <laughs> to anybody who's ever lived with anybody with mel- mental illness, to anybody in their family who is listening to this that has someone in their life with mental illness, to anybody out there with mental illness that's listening to this, there are things that you can't control about yourself and your family members. I'm not saying that what he did was right and he deserves complete and utter appeasement and, and, and to, to live you know without this a free, over, a free pass what I am saying is that mental illness is something that we're still figuring out it's like what lives on the bottom of the ocean what lives behind the moon but maybe that's out. part of uh, people's hesitance Trent to allow somebody who's been found not criminally responsible for a heinous crime like this yeah. when you say hey we're still figuring out but mental it doesn't Ill- need to turn to fear though it doesn't need to turn to fear of course it doesn't and and I feel like I mean someone on one person in particular one listener just gave me the gears and said you're perpetuating stereotypes you need to educate yourself on mental illness yeah, I agree. well listen we have a lot of open conversations and i consider myself a pretty open-minded person but on this file in this case i can't help but think if it was my brother yeah. that was stabbed and beheaded on a greyhound bus you better believe i don't care what the person was going through and i don't mean to marginalize mental illness and i don't mean to sound ignorant i don't care if the perpetrator had schizophrenia or was drunk or was just having a bad day. Quite frankly, as the victim's family member, I don't give a crap about any of those details. I want that person to rot in prison before they rot in hell. And that's I mean, my... why we don't give victims' family members a say in this. I've, I said it. What before. do you mean, though, Donald? We hear we hear victim impact statements in court all the time. We and and some of them may have an impact on sentencing. And I don't know. I mean, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know how much of an impact that has on sentencing. A victim impact statement is a great way for the people to talk about to talk about their hurt and the pain that they're experiencing, and to remind the offender that it's not just the offender on the docket here. Right? We had two RCMP officers who killed themselves, mm-hmm. and that is an absolute tragedy. Tragedy. Mm-hmm. But what is that saying about our mental health system that three people who struggled with mental health didn't get anywhere with mm-hmm. it? And now we have one person whose life, he's ruined his own life, and two other people who are dead, and all their families are destroyed. Right, three other people, I'm sorry, including the victim, and I apologize, mm-hmm. three other pe- people who are dead. All the people on the bus who saw that, everyone who's been impacted by this, mm-hmm. you know, Vince Lee's mother's been impacted by this, we are... We are more inclined to let people with mental illness just hang them out to dry as simple criminals rather than treating it. And we do this all the time. How are we supposed to learn about it? How are we supposed to learn about it to maybe stop it in the future? And are we saying that someone who has... um, So we're saying basically that he needs to have been jailed and not given the chance to rehabilitate. That's the purpose of jail. I mean, this is... Really, this conversation is not about whether he should have had a chance to or have the opportunity to change his name and gain a bit of distance mm-hmm. between his past and the future that he wants to build. Um, I mean, obviously, my heart aches for um, the victim's mother. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no replacing a son. And I mean, this strategy, I mean, her life has changed forever. Mm-hmm. However, we can't confuse the two issues that he, the injustice we feel about him not having to serve time. And I think that's what you're reacting to, Ryan, and I think what a lot of the listeners are reacting to, that he committed a heinous crime and that he should be paying the time instead of being... 
being judged to be criminally not responsible. For me, I think I think the last time, and this was several weeks ago, if not more than a month ago, the last time that my blood pressure rose this much in relation to a crime and punishment story was when we were talking about dangerous offenders, and in particular, dangerous sex offenders, mm-hmm. where the, mm-hmm. the parole board will give them the green light for release, whether it's a graduated release or not. And police agencies are saying, we believe this individual will reoffend and yet we're sending them back out into society we're saying that when experts are telling us we believe they will Mm -hmm. commit the crime again now this may be a different case when counselors are saying he's been a model uh inmates not the right word but he's been a a model let's say client or a patient uh we don't believe there's a high likelihood to reoffend. we do believe on his meds he'll be able to contribute to society sure there's a different nuance to this story there are different details but that to me this is in the same ballpark you said it uh perfectly you said uh, if this happened to your brother or someone in your family you wouldn't care. You would want to see them hurt before they were in jail. You're making a decision there. You're, you're, he didn't have the decision-making abilities. He wasn't mentally fit. This whole gray area, we're trying to understand, and even our best don't understand it. And that's what all this, this high emotion is about. We're trying, to, we're trying to guess. We're trying to figure out. And I understand that we don't know, but how do we know until we study it and we figure it out and we figure out what meds work and, and what are some of the things that, that show us, that give us insight to stop it from happening in the future? On the text line, Mac says this, Vince Lee case is just another example of how our legal system fails Canadians on an hourly basis. Max says, ask any psych nurse how much faith they have in the review board for release. Vince Lee was competent enough to procure a knife, to buy a Greyhound ticket, to board the bus, and to decapitate someone, yet was not mentally stable enough to accept responsibility for his actions. Max says, sure, I'll believe that as long as he's locked up or kept in a secure long-term mental health care facility. says, I have no faith in the mental health system or our lack of justice system. I just hope when he slips through the cracks, because no one's watching, that no one dies as a result. And it kind of breaks my heart to hear that kind of pessimistic um, or is it realistic? Well, it is realistic because obviously, um, and as Donald kind of mentioned before, I mean, mental health has never been an area of focus in a way, in a targeted and strategic way right. that's preventative. And so when we reach these kinds of situations, yes, the injustice we feel that he is getting to walk away free when a man is dead and another family is ruined um, is just inescapable. I mean, that sense of injustice is there. But I would disagree with you, Ryan, in that the situation where they say um, someone is at a high risk of reoffending and they put him out, that's a different case than someone like Vince, who they have said has been a model patient, let's say we call him. Mm-hmm. So to me, those are two different things. And I think what you raised is a good point. And that, that person, if they think is high risk of offending, probably should not be let go. A listener to Slave Lake says, treat him to your heart's content, study him till you're blue in the face and do it all while he's living in prison forever. Your guests today are every murderer's fantasy defense team. <laughs> Ouch. Another listener, here's something to think about though. Here's something to think about. A listener here says you're relating to this story as the victim's brother. What if your wife developed schizophrenia and was undiagnosed? One day she has a horrible episode, thinks a demon's trying to kill her. In her mind, she's defending herself and protecting her family by killing that demon. Unfortunately, the demon turned out to be somebody walking past your wife on the street. Would you demand she be locked up for life or put to death? Or would you get her help? We'll be right back. 
Trent Wilkie, Tina Fays, and Donal O'Byrne are roundtable guests on this Friday morning on Twitter. Rose says no, no, no to a name change for the Greyhound Killer. Kathleen Smith, listening in, says your entire panel has contradicted themselves time and time again. The public should know, but he should be able to change names. He didn't have decision-making abilities? Exactly. And he won't either again if he goes off his meds. The defense here is uninformed. Well, well, well. well. <laughs> I've been told. My mom tweeted me that I'm the best, and therefore my mother is correct. The <laughs> thing that that listener said, though, yeah. in relating to the family of the killer, yeah. seemed to touch a nerve with all of you as we headed to that commercial break. It's, right. it's like we're trying to understand something we don't understand, and everybody sees this as something that uh, can be yelled at or beaten into submission or 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 changed overnight. This is something that's going to take years and years and years. And I'm not siding with the killer. I'm not siding with anything. But I want to have trust in the fact that how many ever years we've 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 as a planet studied mental health issues that we're going in the right direction. And I want to believe that we will handle this better than we have in the past because in the past is throwing him into a, into a cell. And making him die in the cell and not learning a thing about it. I don't want to do him as a case study. I don't see him as a mouse. I don't see anything like that. But I am not a professional by any means, and I'm just speaking from the heart. And if my son turned out to be schizophrenic or something like that, I would love him no matter what. And that's all there is to it. One of the other callers, um, one of the other texts came in, and it, it, you're right, it did resonate with us. The question is not what should we do with Vince Lee. The question is what should we have done five years ago or 10 years ago with mm-hmm. Vince Lee when all the signs were there and, and everyone in his life knew that things were going sideways. That's the system we need to develop. Um, and, you know, Kathleen's right. Uh, we have been somewhat contradictory in this. Mm-hmm. So is the legal system. So is everything. We so know is the people threatening, threatening violence against us online exactly. for our opinions. Like, it's just, this whole thing, it's a very heated subject. Sorry, Don. No, it's fine. Uh, Nicole says, I suffer from mental illness, though I'm lucky enough to have an, a, quote, acceptable mental illness, anxiety and depression. She says, I know what happens when I don't take my meds. I take them religiously, but I wouldn't want my freedom taken away because I might kill myself if I don't. She says, Vince Lee has and is continuing to work with doctors to get better. And I hope with supervision, he'll be able to reintegrate into society. Well, and I don't feel like he's um, like one of the texts that you read said that he's getting a free pass and is becoming a new person. I mean, anytime he wants to get a job or an apartment or a loan, I mean, the first thing people do are going to Google him. Mm-hmm. There are hundreds of news stories, just as like we're talking um, on 630 Chad's website, on CBC, on these outlets where they've linked his new name to the old one. And that's not an accident either, Tina, I would suggest. Exactly. So this is going to follow him anyway. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we're being contradictory in the fact that if we were the ones that were living next to him and he's being reintegrated into society and able to live independently, he's forced to come and tell his neighbors, this is my past, this is the program I'm on, and this is the monitoring I have. Um, we have to accept that because, frankly, you and I and everyone else here could be right now living next to somebody who is suffering any number of situations and could at any point be um, criminal. Mm-hmm. Russ crime. on the text line says we've got to leave it up to the medical experts to determine if he's able to reintegrate into society. All these armchair psychiatrists have little education to make any logical informed decisions. That is very fair to say. We'll be back to wrap with Trent Wilkie, Tina Fays, and Donal O'Byrne right after this. 
This has probably felt like the fastest moving Friday roundtable in the history of the Ryan Jesperson show. My thanks to Tina Fey's uh, Donald O'Byrne and Trent Wilkie for joining us. A listener here says congratulations to you all on intelligent, compassionate conversation about one of the most conflicting, polarizing scenarios imaginable. Another said, hey, Ryan, I I bet you didn't think out of three panelists that you'd get what you got, which is all of them leaning the same way. (laughs) And and Donal, I mean, I don't want to put the spotlight on you, but I mean, you helped found the Reform Party. You've been a PC organizer. I I mean, you didn't exactly represent what people might perceive to be traditional conservatism in your takes this morning. No, I, I didn't. You know, things as you views change. Uh, I, I, I grew up Catholic, very hard right wing, very socially conservative, but you know, views temper. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's as simple as that. Not to say that conservatives don't love the arts. Because I know conservatives do. And you're organizing a big fundraiser for th- Shadow Theatre coming up on Sunday. What's going on? I am. We have, for the last decade, we have been hosting an Oscars, Oscar night fundraiser. And this is a gala event. It's one of our prime fundraisers for the year. Uh, you get all dressed up, come down to Boulevard uh, bar and kitchen on Jasper Avenue. Uh, watch the Oscars in your your best three course dinner. It's uh, hosted by Mark Connolly and uh, a live stage show during the commercials by Hey Ladies, who work they're at great. they're fabulous. They're uh, with thousands of dollars in prizes and raffle options. Uh, Farm wife style, who has all their earrings uh, going to the Oscars this year, has given us all two, right two earrings. To, That's to a great success story. Okay, so shadowtheater.org. Mm-hmm. Shadowtheater.org. I'll have to call my agent to see. I don't remember getting a call to see if I could host that, Donal. I don't, uh, I don't remember what yeah, was Yeah, he on. mentioned that Oilers, other radio hey, uh, <laughs> Trent, what will people find at theundad.com? Uh, basically, I just write about being a stay-at-home dad with my little dude and uh, that type of thing, but also do a lot of other stuff as well. I'm, you know, a journalist. I write plays. Uh, if you want to yell at me online through my own Twitter, it's at the Trent Wilkie, W-I-L-K-I-E, and we can have some social discourse about uh, some of the stuff we talked about today. You just sent me some questions to answer. Where are those going to be posted once I get around to it? Uh, the Undead. Okay, okay, I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Take from dads around the capital region. You betsky. Uh, we should point out that you can also follow, follow Donal on Twitter at D-O-N-O-Y-A-G. Tina, September's a big month for you. It is. You have a book coming out. I do. I've just, um, I'm co-authoring a new cookbook. It's called Edmonton Cooks. And before anyone freaks out, they're not my recipes. They're yeah. actually chef recipes from about 30, some of the best restaurants in the city. And so my co-author, Leanne, and I have just put that book essentially almost to bed. So it's going to be getting printed and we'll have a huge launch in September. You're a big backer of Edmonton's Public Library. You've got 20 seconds to tell me about Anthology. Yes, I'm on a new board of an organization of anthology and we basically curate um, literary events for the culture curious in this city and we hope you go to yeganthology.com and come out to the events. Yeganthology.com. You've got a very cool one coming up. Tina, Trent, Donal, thank you for being here. Thank Thank you for having us. Thank you at home for listening. We'll do it all again on Monday. One love.